I came in, uh, I entered uh, alcoholism you know, way, way early, and I entered recovery like 25 years ago. And in the, the recovery program, the root of the problem is obsession with self, being excessively concerned with self, self-seeking and stuff like that. But the people that wrote the book said that they'd only been sober about four years when they wrote the book, and they said people will come after us and add on to it. So I was practicing the program, living the program as best I could, and then I heard this invitation from outside the program, I don't know, maybe 16 years ago, I don't know when I did. And I, uh, at that time I was teaching these workshops on this very important step of recovery, the fourth step, which is an inventory process where you take a look at your resentments, your fears, and how you harmed other people, and we look at our sexual behavior. Yeah. For what reason? To see the characteristics of how we were defeated by this idea of being a self. Now, they just, they thought that it was the obsession with self, but in my experience, and after I heard this message, I saw the obsession with self is just the mental activity to reinforce the identification as a self. Yeah. Now, when I say identification as self, it's not a verb attached to a noun. Yeah? There is no self. There is no long-lasting, independent, separate entity. Yeah? So, it's a verb. Identification as a self. That's what the mental process is doing. It hasn't always been doing it. When you were younger, the sense of self wasn't available. It started. It grew. It started. They say it starts around 18 months when the baby grows into this idea of self and other. And they also believe in some research that it coincides with the the, uh, the strengthening of the language center. Yeah, which language is very very important in this trance of remembering self. Yeah. Why you need to remember self because there isn't one. If you were really, really here, which when we cannot not be, if you were really here and there was a sense of what was really going on here, it would negate all that belief, all, no matter how much it seems to have in time and how many stories were written by it, it would be negated by just this very moment. You would see that there is no existence of a self. And in that view, you would start really seeing what the problem is. So the sense of self which is a sense. Some people think it's, they talk about it as the ego. I'm not using it that way. The ego is just a mental representation of the mental idea of being a self. The sense of self is a feeling. You have a feeling. It comes over you. Yeah. Every time there's an action, there's a sense that you're the doer. Every time there's a thought, there's a sense that you're the thinker. Every time there's a feeling, there's a sense that you're the feeler. Yes? When there's a problem, it's my problem. Time, my time. Yeah? This is what happens. Selfing doesn't have a life, so it claims one. How does it claim one? It has to be constantly remembered to forget our own nature. So the mind, instead of reflecting what we are, or let's say in Zen Buddhism they talk about seeing your original face... And seeing your original face is the clear effect, reflection, let's say, like of an open sky and a surface of a very, very still pond. Yeah, That's our original face. In other words, there's nothing there. Yeah? But the fact is, what happens with the selfing, the selfing 
the thought system pictures you and me as a body. That's the only way you could be thought about. You can't go, oh, oh, my spirit three years ago was feeling very spirited that day. And then I'm hoping it'll feel spirited five years from now. It would be so ludicrous, there would be no interest in it. Yeah. Because you can't put a finger on it. You can't quantify it. It's not going through gyrations of good and bad, close and far, connected and disconnected. Yeah, It's not on a journey. Only bodies go on journeys. Spirits do not go on journeys. Where is it going to go? Yeah, Where does the spirit stop and then the journey begin and then the destination show up? If spirit is non-form, then in a sense it's everywhere. It's not on a journey. Our language tells the story of spirit by the physical perspective. Yeah, So I'm on a journey and I'm going to try to get to the highest mountain, but I always fall into the valley of despair. And then there's a dark night of the soul in the valley of despair. And then I'm lifted up to the mountain. And then that wind's blowing through my hair. And there's a great thing, but it's all about the body. So here, the thought system pictures us as a body. The thoughts, when it's, when it's attempting to uh, paint a picture of you, it sees you as a body. So here it goes. It's thinking about what happened in the past, yes, and it pictures you three years ago. And because it's you, and there's an identification with that you, it has enough propulsion, the thoughts have enough interest and attention to propel them back there, and they circular, circulate around this idea of being Paul. Yeah? And at that point, you're remembering the self and you're feeling it now. You're remembering you in the past and this real agenda is to feel that you're that you now. And it also, in all the worrying, and you know, sometimes you think it's so freaking crazy. Why am I worrying about the same thing? You're worrying about the same things to remember the same thing. So let's see, all right, so I'm thinking about myself in the future, and I'm worrying about it. What's happening? I'm being remembered. I'm going to be there five years from now as a body. And I'm concerned about what's going to happen to, quote-unquote, me as a body. And it's, there's enough concern that this my thoughts can be propelled by this interest and attention and have such a, a propulsion break through this incredible magnetic appeal of being consciously in contact here, with seeing, hearing, feeling, tasting, touching, and, and hearing thoughts, break through that and go to a fairyland of what's not happening and get absorbed in that what's not happening, but I'm going to feel like it's going to happen to me. And what happens? There's a contraction now. So self has to be remembered because it isn't so. It isn't so. That's the trick, because what is so doesn't need to be remembered. So it's very easy to forget it. Yeah, And so the act of remembering of ourselves is the passive re forgetting of what we really are. Yeah. So it goes like this. I was here, sounds logical, because you maybe you have the scars. I, I can show you I got run over by a car. So this, I was there in 1980 and I got run over by a car. Look, I got all the evidence in the world. Case closed. Yeah. And therefore I'm worried that I'm going to make it, well I don't think it will be a car next time, maybe a train. I got run over twice in one night. I don't think I got three runovers in one night. But it could happen. So I'm thinking about what happened to me, this me pictured as a body. Yeah. So I was there. I, therefore, I will be there. And then it goes, therefore, I am here. That's what happens. 
There's no evidence that it's here now, so it has to produce this realm of time to prove the point, because this point would override, override all the freaking advertising of there and then. If you were conscious, and I'm saying you are conscious, yeah? This is only happening through one gate of consciousness, the mental gate, yeah? You're hearing these thoughts, but most of our attention has left the gate of feeling, hearing, seeing, tasting, yes? Smelling, and it's gone up into this, this realm. And because that image, you're identified as an image, that's you, it has enough to propel, yeah? The interest and attention will follow those thoughts all the way until it hits you, like a weather vane, yeah? Bammo, it's all about me. And therefore, because it's you, they have enough, they have a, they can break through the gravity of this experience. I mean, we're not conscious in one gate. Consciousness is flooding through six gates. If that can't grab your attention, I don't know what can. Yeah? So there it is. It now, it, because it's you, you it get propelled all the way there. And in the propulsion, you land on that you, and all you are is in the mental realm. Yeah? Now you've forgone, you've forgone the experience of being alive and you're, list, you're listening to an interpretation of what it is to be alive. Yeah? And it's flat for most people. There's, le- there's a lacking, a severe lacking. Buddha said it's like a malaise, you know, dukkha, suffering. It's like a malaise, like a vague dissatisfaction because our attention and interest has been enslaved to this incredible mental idea and therefore, it's not here to enrich our lives. We're not paying attention. We're not even interested in it. How much have you smelled today? Yeah? How much have you really felt? How much did you touch? Are you really listening all day? The biggest thing, this, the, this is the first one that got captured, and then the vision's the next. The vision, because our perception is distorted, we're not seeing actually what's going on. So the perception lends lends itself to the trance also. You know, the, ver- the visual perception. So here, conscious contact is happening. And then there's a mental process that produces this idea of being a self. We were sharing about last night. It can't make a self. The highest level a self can arise to is an appearance. Yeah? It can appear to be true and false to us. It can appear... This is the beautiful news. It can appear to be truth to us, and it also can appear to be false to us. That's where the liberation is, yeah? It can appear to be true or false. It's based on mind. So here it is. If, it's, if everything is only seemingly so, then it can only arise to a certain level, and that's appearance. It can't transcend that and become so. Yeah? It's an appearance. When the appearance arises, it departs, it goes in back into its source, yeah? It rises out of the source and falls back into the source. So there's the source of mind or that emptiness, and then all things arise in that and depart. And we have the consciousness to be aware of those things, yeah? Because the experience of being conscious is being conscious of, isn't it? And also, not like some animals and insects and stuff, we can become conscious of awareness, which is not consciousness in a way. It's a different flavor, because consciousness is defined by what it's moving through. An insect has a different consciousness than a human does. Yeah? That's why people take plants. You're taking a plant, and you're getting a plant consciousness, and then you mix it with your human consciousness, and you have some damn revelations. Yeah? Yes? 
That's what happens. You're taking a, a, a it's, it's just consciousness, but now you're seeing with a different view. Yeah. But awareness isn't defined by any of that. Yeah. So we have the great privilege, and yet it can be a huge curse that we're gonna we can become conscious of, and then conscious of thoughts, and it's driving a lot of people crazy. They can't shut it off. It's three in the morning, and they're still going over the fact. What did that person mean by saying hello to me? On and on and on and on. Or I think my pants are too short. I noticed everyone was looking at me. You go like this. You know, you're trying to make it long, and you just the mind's going to entertain no matter what. But it's important what you give it to entertain. (laughs) You got to be careful. So the same, the same interest and attention can either be driving you crazy because it's constantly glued to the movie view, or it can be enriching your life. And that the enrichment is that you can sense the consciousness while it's happening of conscious of, and you can intimate the awareness. Yeah. You can't see it like a thing. You're not going to feel it like a thing. You're not going to taste it. You're not going to touch it. But you have a sense that can intimate it. Yeah? And you'll intimate it. And then it's pr- your sense of presence. It won't, And actually it gets to a point where you almost see it. You're looking out in, let's say, the space of this room and it's palpable. You can sense space. Yeah? You start intimating it. And then it keeps freaking downloading and it gives you new glimpses of quote-unquote the same old, same old. And it's like every one of those checks, you can see its signature. Yeah, You see the unknown hand of what's going on here. And it's magical. It brings about a great sense of ease and comfort. Not next week when you go on the retreat, but right now in Philadelphia, after you had a big duck meal or something. Yeah? <laughs> you know what I mean? It's always available at all times with no requirement necessary to meet it. You're the one who sets up the requirements. And if you have requirements, you better fulfill them. Because that thing's playing God. So if you feel like you really need to do something, you better do it. You've got to jump through that hoop until you start realizing the hoop always changes. The bar always gets raised and lowered. There's more. It's like a 500-yard rush and uh, run, and then it's add 10 more yards. Or, you know, and then the, you know, the contest goes longer and longer, and then you realize what's going on. It's like an insane mind. It's like it plays that game of hot and cold with you. you know? So you do all this practicing. I'm getting warmer and warmer, and someone goes, you're cold. You know what I mean? It just screws with you because it's playing God. It has no intention of ever finding because you can't find what's already so. You become disinterested what's, with what's not so, and then just like you were aware of that, you'll be aware of what's so, or you'll become conscious of what's so, and what's so is that awareness. And it's not that awareness, it's just awareness. Yeah, You become conscious of that, and I'll tell you, it produces a traveling lighter that can stabilize. Yeah, That you, you, you come to rely on. And we were sharing about it last night. There's a beach I go to, where I live, and... Uh, so you're going to go surf, right? And so as you're driving down, you can see there's a lagoon before you get to the beach itself. And you, you look at the lagoon surface to see if there's wind, because if it's windy, it affects the waves, you know? So you want to get a preview of what you think it's going to be like. So you look at the surface. And it's usually, when it's agitated, all you see is the surface, yeah? 
You see all the ups and downs, but it seems almost like it's opaque. Yeah? But then, and that's what you're seeing. That's what you're conscious of. This is what selfing does to you. Yeah? The selfing just distorts and, and creates an, ag- an agitation on the surface, and you become conscious of that, and you don't get a clear reflection. And all of that's telling you there's someone there. It is implying, inferring, uh, it's insinuating that you're the doer, you're the thinker, you're the this, you're the that. And because you're not seeing clearly, you make the leap from this agitation to, yes, I'm that. Yeah? But what happens when you drive by and it's a clear, perfect day and that surface is very, very still? It reflects everything around it and the sky. Yeah? Now it doesn't look opaque. Now you see one of its true qualities, the ability to reflect. That's what mind is like. Right now, it's reflecting quite a lot of selfing, yeah? And because of that, it's easy for it to make the leap into I'm a self, yeah? And it keeps, and that, that little mistake gets reinforced by the thought system all day. Everything is interpreted from the point of view of being a self. Every action, you're the doer or some other self's the doer. And if it's not me as a doer, you as a doer, it's God as the doer. It's always going to be something that's doing it. Yeah? And, it's a, and it's reinforced all freaking day. But what happens if that, reflect, that ability to reflect would see a very, very calm, chilled out mind? It would see its original face. Yeah. It would see the exact clear emptiness of its own sense. It would see the the, the center of the onion, nothing there. Yeah. And that nothing is a whole lot of something, really. It, that nothing is the gift that keeps on giving. It never runs out. It's always available at all times. It's not based on quantity. It has nothing to do with time. Yeah. Here we are in this linear story, and we just have two gears, past and future. Yeah? And basically, like the Course of Miracles says, we're seeing only the past. Yeah? Why do you think you have a future? It's just a, it's just a mock-up version of what you think the past is. Yeah? The fears you had about the past, you're projecting into a future. Yeah? So here you are on a horizontal, uh, linear story, Taking yourself to be an action figure, yeah? And all the while, every movement down, up and down this thing, only two gears, forward and backward, yeah? It's being inserted or vertically inserted by the timeless pause, yeah? The original face, the everywhere and all of things. Every second is inserting through this horizontal line. We're not looking up, we're looking this way and this way. We're looking from the past to the future, back to the past to the future. We're missing this insertion. In every moment of time, there's the quality of timelessness. You can sense it like a pause, or it just doesn't feel like a a regular moment. Yeah? It's got a certain quality that stops the choo-choo train up there. It derails it. Yeah. Everyone gets off the train. And you look up, there's no engineer. It's just running up and down the track. <laughs> that pause can have a big effect. Can you imagine if you had a chance to go over your back light and just insert a couple of pauses there. I know people who wouldn't be in prison right now. 
before they pulled the gun, there would have been a pause and another solution, another another movement, another decision could have been dropped down. But instead, that knee-jerk reaction puts them in a situation that they don't even... Some people I know are in jail for life and they did it in a blackout. They don't even remember killing the person. Now they have to live in the consequences of that and they can never find out the why. That would be like the greatest three gifts of the genie in the bottle. Wouldn't be riches, just at three pauses. Yeah? Three pauses with a chance to drop it in my life at certain places, and your whole life would have went a different way. Yeah? What would happen if you had easy access to that pause, or every day, before big decisions, before small decisions, before no decisions? Yeah? That you are familiar with it. It wasn't foreign to you anymore. You recognized it. Yes? You called it forth, in a sense, by your recognition of it. And when it was available, you honored it. Yeah? You honored it. And you honored the demonstrations of that power that seems to be greater than self. Yeah? And then in recovery, we say, hey, you realize that God could do, and God is just a name, you know? Let's talk about the power. You realize that power can do for you what you can't do for yourself. Why not expand that idea, then? Throw more things into the pot of I can't do it for myself. Because you found a principle that works. Why not why not expand on it? Yeah? Why not entertain the possibility? Because I notice most of the people, they'll they're willing to surrender many things, but the things that they hold dear, that's where the most shit hits. Yeah? They don't want to give up their body image. So all their anxiety and fear is about their body image, yes? They don't want to give up the house, the the girlfriend and the job, and they lose it anyway. <laughs> Sometimes ask you, ask you, sometimes life asks you, are you willing? It doesn't mean you'll even be asked to give it up. Are you willing to give it up? If you demonstrate that willingness, things happen. Yeah. I know people, my fairy, first fairy princess in recovery, really felt a lot of love. Uh, after 22 years, she went out, you know, started to drink. And uh, didn't tell anybody at first. Thought she could handle it. And then, you know, the big dog woke up. Because she, you know, she teased it with a little bone with a string, and the bo- the dog woke up and whoop, took the string, took the bone and the string, and her. And now she becomes familiar, feeling this power greater than herself in her life. And now she doesn't have the access to it. Yeah. Have you ever seen that movie, Man Facing Southwest? It's a great old Argentinian film. It's about a guy. Well, it's not even a guy, but. An alien comes to the planet, or maybe an alien or not, and he, he says, and, he, and where it goes to is an insane asylum, because that would be the best place to hide, yeah? So he lands and he goes to this insane asylum, and this doctor is, is appointed to sort of deal with the guy. And the guy has an airtight case about being an alien. And this guy, and the, of course the doctor's point of view, oh, this poor person, yeah? And he, and, but this guy's drinking his brains out, the doctor, and he's super morose and everything, ready to kill himself every day. But he thinks he's normal, and he's well. And this guy's crazy because when they walk around the streets and he, this guy sees someone cold, he gives him his jacket. So these just common sense things he's amazed at. So every day, though, the guy has to walk around the grounds, and he finds a spot to stand, and he stands there. And he gets the download, yeah? He accesses his home planet. And he's like this. 
and they've given him all this medication, but he's hiding it, so he's not taking it. So he's got the transmitter and receiver going pretty good, and he stands there for about an hour and a half. Then he can deal with us the rest of the day. He's sat in the meetings, yeah? But he, every day he goes out there, and he just walks, and he finds it. And, he, and what happens, finally, they start shooting him up. You can't get around it yet. They start shooting him up. And then he starts losing the co- connection. He can't make connection. So he's walking around the, the yard and he can't find the spot. Yeah. So he's not getting the downloads. And now this place starts really wearing on him. And he starts withering and he starts loses that contact. He's not nice anymore. All these qualities that were coming through him can't come through him because he doesn't inherently have those qualities. He's a transmitter-receiver. That's what we are here. There's tons of mental winds blowing, yeah? So an addict can be a saint 20 years later because he's neither. He's neither an addict nor a saint. It's just basically where his mind is resting is going to attract certain mental winds, yeah? And those winds are going to play him or move through him like a flute, yeah? And that because everything is seeking to find expression, everything, everything here, and there are a lot of mental winds blowing, yeah? So here's that poor guy just just shriveling up and everything like that because he can't access it. That's why, in a sense, it's an incredible metaphor for what's happening to us. Yeah? You see it in the plant world. Everything is striving to get to the light. I was upstate New York. We went on a trip the other day. I was speaking in New Jersey. And there was this giant layers of rock, almost like a rock sandwich, you know, all the layers of the ages. And there was a tree that had broken through a root had gone all the way through. Now, if the root had some self-centeredness, it would have said, I can never do this. You know? <laughs> Look at this freaking rock. But it went about 30 feet of rock. Yeah? Or whichever way it went. The power, unbelievable power that was available because it had that urge to reach the light. It had that urge. Yes? That urge. And we're just like that. But it's gotten distorted. It's been hijacked. The heist, we're probably in, we're, we're probably living right now the aftermath of that heist. The conscious contact has been claimed by the mental process, and you have been crowned me, the king of all kings, the queen of all queens. You're the seer, you're the hearer, you're the feeler, you're the taster, you're the toucher. And for you, when you take, when the self proclaims itself to be that, it forgets the real seeing, the real thinking, I mean the real feeling, the real tasting. And now there's a taster and a feeler. And the emphasis is on what I felt and, and, and the feeler. What I heard and the hearer. But not the hearing, not the seeing, not the feeling, not the tasting, not the touching. We've lost our fucking way. Maybe this place scared us. We ran up into that mental sanctuary, the only voice we ever heard. And yet we got trapped up there. It's like we went down the rabbit hole and we can't get out. And when we try to get out of the rabbit hole, it's another form of being in the rabbit hole. Because you run into a very tricky little axiom. Self can't get out of self. Yeah? You can't use the Buddha to find the Buddha. You can't use mind to find mind. You can't use activity to reach stillness. If that's an activity. So what's one to do? It seems like we, we have this drive to get out of somewhere. yeah, And yet it doesn't seem like it ever truly succeeds. 
Because how many solutions have you found and you're still looking for one? So can you really term those those things as solutions? I don't feel I don't believe they fit the definition of a solution. I would think the solution would negate the problem and then for any need for another solution. Really? If we if it hit the specific problem, that should be it, yeah? So what's one to do? If self can't get out of self, you feel like you're in something and you want to get out of it. Maybe your own skin, maybe a predicament, maybe that mental state. But every time you try to get out of it, every exit turns into an entrance in a way. You're, just, you're still in that loop. You're still in that maze. Well, the great news is the best way to get out of it is to realize you're not in it. It's the only way to me. The best way to get out of anything is to realize you're not in it. If you realize you're not in it, how much time is it going to take to get out? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And I'll tell you, a real solution in this place has a timeless quality. If something just happens like that, yeah, that's a damn good solution. So the best way to get out of something is to realize you're not in it. If the realization that you're in it is so, you're going to be driven to get out of it. And you're going to get addicted to the seeing, the seeking. The mind is going to, the mind, every time the seeking is occurring, is going to blow up the idea of being a seeker. Yeah? And if your mind takes spirituality as noble, yeah, then you'll think meditation is much more important than doing the dishes. And that discrimination, that preference will change everything. You'll lose the forest from the trees. You'll be so clearly looking at one tree, you'll miss the whole sense of the forest. It's like what St. Francis says, what's looking is what you're looking for. What's looking is what you and I are looking for. It doesn't say who's looking. It says what's looking. Yeah? The problem is the what's looking has been interpreted into a who's looking. And that's the blindness to the what's looking. You're not going to pick up the what's looking from this mental position of who's looking. That's the blindness. Even though you can see, you're not seeing. Yeah. Even though you can hear, you're not hearing. Like Jesus said, for those who have eyes and ears to hear and see. We have the eyes and ears, but we're not hearing and seeing. Because there's something that happened. That simplicity of conscious contact has been hijacked by a mental idea that you're the one that's conscious. And as soon as it's you that's conscious, you can think you can be unconscious. And most of us are more in that state than the conscious state. Because everything we entertain here is dualistically structured. You entertain being close, you entertain being far. You entertain being connected, you entertain being disconnected. You entertain surrendering, you entertain taking it back. Yeah? There's no position of neutrality, which is where the freedom is. You're never going to have it always on the one side. It's a two-sided coin. No matter how many times you split it, it still has two sides. Yes, no, high, low, connected, disconnected. So if you're reaping the feelings of how great it is to feel connected, you're going to reap the feelings of how terrible it feels to be disconnected. Neither of them are real. It's not that they don't feel real. There's no one there that's connected or disconnected. You're going to have the experience of, of connected and disconnected, but why does that imply that there's someone there? It's just the logic of the crazy mind. 
There can be a movement this way and that way. How does that prove there's someone there? I just can't believe that leap. People say, well, I felt this, and I felt that, that, so therefore there must be one solid, long-lasting, independent thing with its own quality that can feel this way and that way. No, there isn't. This is freedom from the bondage of self. Yeah? The bondage didn't happen ten years ago. It wasn't a date. Oh, I remember when I was bonded to self. <laughs> it was a stormy night, and I did something really bad, that's why. And I've been bonded to it for 20-something years now. I got a probation for a little while, but it was, it was revoked, and I got back into the bondage. No, the bondage is a mental activity happening now. Yeah? That's what's going on. The thought system is going, psst, psst. you did it. You're thinking. You're feeling you're the one that has time. Remember when? <gasps> I'm worrying now. Oh, da, 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 da. But all it can do is imply, insinuate, infer. It cannot make a self. It can't reach that level. It can only reach the level of appearance based on you, the mind. It will appear to be true or false to you. Yeah. Now, are you sick and tired of it appearing to be true? The same mind that's taking it to be true can see it as false. You have that quality. You have that quality. Yeah? You have the ability to see. That hasn't been taken away from you. And you and whatever and if you believe you missed it because you weren't there the one moment it showed itself, you've never missed a moment of your own life. You've always been there. You are the moment. So there's it's not like, oh it popped up once, but I wasn't there because I was thinking of something else. No. You were there. You are that popping up. Yeah? So the shenanigans of, oh, but I, I had it. I felt really good for a few weeks, but now I've lost it. You know, and I'm trying to find it again. No, you, were neither, you weren't the one that, thought, that had it, and you're not the one that lost it. They're just mental interpretations of what's always so. Yeah. Because you know what I see in every moment? How, what tells you that you've lost it? The head. But what allows that to be seen? The seeing. What allows your head to say that you found it? The seeing. Yeah? Every moment the baseline is seeing. Yeah? You're seeing. Not visually. Seeing meaning you're conscious. Every, every freaking moment. Yeah? That baseline, nothing gets behind that. If you follow it as far as you can go, all you'll do is find seeing. It never stops at a fence post and becomes seer. Never. Not, not so far for me. It just keeps going. And you don't have to go all the way. Far enough is just you get it. There's only seeing. Yeah? So my experience here is I am the seeing of what I'm not. Yeah? And I don't say I'm not that, I'm not that, I'm not that, I'm not that, I'm not that. <laughs> You'd be busy doing that all fucking day. <laughs> There's the seeing, and I'm just trying to describe it with language. But the feeling is, see the point is, the, the downloads occur, and then something changes, and then you t- attempt to articulate it. To try to articulate it before you've sensed it is bullshit. It's conceptual. It doesn't work. But when you sense it, it tends to motivate you to, to attempt to express it. If you're a dancer, you're probably going to dance a lot. Yeah? 
If you're a musician, you're going to attempt to play that note that seems to capture it, yes? You're going to write that tune. If you're someone like this thing, it's like I'm a jazz artist ripping with words because I'm attempting to do the impossible. And it's an incredible challenge. Yeah, it, My mind's met, met its match. Yeah. How to describe the indescribable. And I learned the best way to describe the indescribable is when it's appearing not to, to be what it's not. That's when you can capture it. You can see what's true by, by looking at when it appears not to be true. Yeah? That's the only way, that's the only time the emperor has the clothes on, <laughs> is when it's appearing not to be true. That's when you can see it. So then you, descri- you see it. You see its structure, you see it, what reinforces it, you see what, its fuel, which is your attention and interest. Without your belief, without your belief in it, it would die out. It doesn't have its own fuel. It doesn't produce its own fuel. It's sucking off of your God juice. Yeah. It plays God with your God juice. And we're willingly giving it to us because we've fallen asleep, in a sense. We're, we've been habitually lulled into every time there's doing, there's a doer. Every, and on that, every time, every thought, every thought is perceived by the sense I'm the thinker of it or it's about me. Yeah? Doesn't matter if you have five thoughts, 800,000 thoughts, two billion thoughts, it would be still held the same way. I'm the thinker, and or it's about me. Therefore, every thought is being used to reinforce the original thought, which is I'm the thinker. Yeah? Because that idea is crazy. It needs a lot of reinforcement to take hold. I mean, a lot. That's why it's constantly, constantly, constantly <laughs> having thoughts because it uses each thought to apply the thinker. It's like trying to apply a glue and take nothing and, and glue it to something. Yeah? It's, a, it's not a natural bond. So what happens? You've got to apply the glue like all the time. <laughs> yeah? so it seems, and so it seems like it's holding. And when it's not holding, which is quite a lot during the day, the narrative overrides that. <laughs> It doesn't pay attention to it. The big, the big chunks of your little continual story that have no explanation, it just overrides it like a fucking speed bump. Mm-hmm. It, it sees reality like a speed bump. It gets shook up and then it morphs again right back into the selfie. I mean, it's sort of like, you know, when they take a mercury and you throw it out and it beads up and it goes all over it and then it recoagulates. That's what selfie is like. It could see, it could see the, gra- the grand vision of all the masters at once. It would be blown out into smithereens and it would regroup. <laughs> and it would say, I saw the masters. I saw the masters. <laughs> you think that Buddhism would blow it out of water? It lost right out of over Buddhism. Kabbalism, any ism, New Age, forget it. New Age is like a headdress it wears. The New Age practices. Jesus Christ is loving them. All right, they're going to try to control the thought system. <laughs> Only have positive thoughts. <laughs> this is the real secret. You're going to get screwed. Not this secret. <laughs> You're going to get all everything you wanted and you'll hate it. <laughs> oh, 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 you'll have so much stuff alone, you. <laughs> and what will you do? Think about it. Ah, yes. Go ahead, practice this, do that. Go to the mountaintops. Who cares? Yeah, you're not. You know, you'll be back soon. It's not afraid of any message. This one scared it. I found it in my own experience. This one could do it. 
This one, in my experience, became the last answer, yeah. I heard this, and when I first heard it, it was like an unspoken yes. Something in me that knew before knowing just went, ah. And then it would, suddenly I was motivated to listen to other people and read books, go to India and listen to more people, survey the situation, all the while just entertaining what I was hearing, you know, letting it so digest and swirl around in there. And then I could see that something was cooking, yeah? And that something, and then it was like throwing a giant uh, wrench in the works of the selfing, because selfing is an activity, it can be stopped, yeah? Something happens and, and can freeze it. And when it freezes, you see raw mind, or you see from raw mind. And it's, it's not, you're not going to forget it. You may run over it, the selfing may hide it and cover it up with something, but the mind does it. You'll know. You'll know beyond knowing. And like Ramana Maharshi says, or implies, he says, by then your head's in the tiger's mouth. It's a done deal. There's no turning back after that. You've seen too much. Yeah? The thing doesn't have the same ability to delude. Yeah? It's not because it's a good movie. It's the audience. It's you and I that make it Panavision. It's you and I that make it seem so real. It, when, you, when you're free, in a sense removed from believing in it, it's bogus. It's a very old, boring loop. Yeah? All about me, it's... So <sighs> you know, let's have someone come over to your house and they start, to, they start talking about their, all their worries about what's not happening. Aren't you bored in about two minutes? Yeah? Wouldn't you rather do the laundry or take a walk and say, let's go to a movie just to have them shut up for a second. <laughs> but the same stuff going on in your head, held as, held as yours or about you, you're entranced by it. It's not the thoughts, it's not the stories, it's the my. The my is the act of identification as. Constantly needs to be refueled, re-upped, reinforced, because if it doesn't, its pants fall down and you get to see it. Yeah? It does. It has to constantly pull it up, cinch the belt, and but it inevitably the pants falls down because time cannot be timelessness. It's like a gunslinger that never loses. Timelessness, the gun's out already, so it always takes you time. And so, no, the thing's already pulled on you. You can't win. Yeah, and you can only do this so much, and then there's a gap, and there it is. The timelessness is staring you right in the face. You'll feel it like a pause. It comes over you. It has a certain vibrational feeling because the mental process has stopped and yet something continues. Yeah? Something continues when that stops. That thing that keeps implying you and inferring you and suggesting that it's you, when it stops, that isn't being reinforced and then something continues and you see from what you really are. And then you realize you've always seen from what you really are. Yeah? So then, I used to tell an old story about the lion and the sheep. Yeah, I'm not going to go into the whole story, but this message is, let's say, we'll use the metaphor, because some people think I'm talking about you're a lion, you know, a real lion. <laughs> it's crazy, but it's an example. So here's the message. You're a lion. 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 Y-N-S, maybe. You're a lion. You're a lion. You're a lion. Right? And it sounds great that people get an aha. Something hits. So it's like this. You're a lion. You're a lion. You're a lion. Yeah, I like this. You're a lion. You're a lion. Then it hits the sheep ears. Yeah? 
and it gets translated into I can become like a lion. That's not the message. Yeah? Alright, you go back and you listen again. I'm a lion, I'm a lion. Ah oh, yeah, I really that's a good idea. I can become like a lion. That's not the message. What happens is the sheep now, let's say they got that, but they've made it into another message. So now they start buying pictures of lions, and a couple of them <laughs> together, like in a room like this, and they find old pictures of lions, and they put them in a nice gilded frame, put a little pedestal in front of them with candles and incense, and they're like, oh, Mr. Lion, yes. I want to be like you, I want to be like you, I want to be like you. And they're having like line, you know, roaring lessons. You know. <laughs> they all sound like bars, but then they're, they're all getting their hair straightened, you know, try to create a mane instead of the curls. And, and, uh, and they're, they're supporting each other, and some people, other sheep, go, hey, look at, look at little sheep. Huh? That's a noble endeavor to try to acquire the qualities of a lion, you know. He'll kick some ass or something, you know. But the fact is, the dilemma is, he is a lion, let's say. The problem isn't that he needs to find the qualities of being a lion. He has to question the qualities that have been assumed about being a sheep. Because if you're not, it's like the old story I used to tell you, is like the old young lion, there's a young lion and a mother, and the mother dies, and the young lion gets left to its own devices, and it's lonely, and it doesn't know what's going on, it doesn't know what it is, and then a herd of sheep come, and it starts, he wants to sort of hang on with the sheep. But the sheep see it as a lion, and they start running away, and then they realize this thing doesn't even know it's a lion. So they sort of let it in, and it starts trying to become like a sheep. And, you know, it's passable, but it's not really working. He's not that satisfied listening to about who's going to be the next sweater and everything. And <laughs> sitting there, and, you know, he's, yeah, and he's friends and everything, but it's not really working too well. And then one day a big lion comes into the field and sees the herd, the sheep, or wants to eat, or the flock. And so it's chasing the, the sheep, and it sees out of the corner of its eye the lion, and it thinks the lion's joining the hunt. Then it realizes it's running away from him. So he stops going after the sheep, he goes after that young lion. And the young lion's really tearing to get out, and then he, re- he loses the race, and he rolls over his back, he says, Mr. Lion, don't eat me, I'm a humble sheep. And the older lion's pretty perplexed. He just grabs the young lion, drags it to this pond of water, and sticks their both heads out, and they see their reflections. So the young lion sees his reflection and the old lion's reflection and realizes what? It's a lion. Yeah? It doesn't have to take three months of roaring lessons. The old lion says, roar, and it roars immediately. Yeah? The whole time it was a lion. It isn't like it became a lion or achieved lionhood. It was a lion, but it had been disguised in an identity as a sheep. And it was feeling unhappy and a malaise about life because it wasn't fulfilling its own nature. Yes? In a way, that's what's happening with us. So the question isn't really the message is, are you a lion? It's, are you a sheep? Yeah? If you're not a sheep, there may be no need to study of how to become a lion because you already are a lion. Yeah? What does that do? Save you a whole lot of freaking time. And if you save a whole lot of time, that's like the closest thing to getting to timelessness in a way. Yeah? So a lot of us sitting here, I don't know, we're still waiting to get it, yeah? We're still waiting to be there to have an experience of our own absence. It's not going to happen. Yeah? You're not going to be there to experience your own absence. You're actually experiencing your own absence right now. You're just calling it presence. 
Yeah? <laughs> and for you to experience your own absence as presence, what's present has to seem absent. That's the deal. You could not seem present if that was present. You would realize your absence, your inherent absence. So that has to be forgotten by remembering this pseudo-presence. But it's inherently absent, yeah? Because it must be remembered. So this presence is never going to experience that presence because there isn't that presence. There's an absence, a seeming absence, and there's the presence. When the seeming absence takes the role of being a present, the presence has to seemingly be absent. Or the whole the whole story would be blown out of the water. It wouldn't hold it wouldn't hold weight, especially if it was producing so much dis-ease, irritability, and restlessness. You'd wake up and say enough's enough, and it would be done because you would see that it had never really occurred. But while we're going, enough is enough. But where the source of the enough is enough, the ignorance is allowing an absence to have an incredible influence over us. And in that incredible influence, we lose the sense of presence. And now, the double whammy is, we're seeking the presence as an absence. And the only way we can seek the presence as an absence is to forget the presence and take this to be present. That's the dilemma. That's the illness. That's the ignorance. We're ignoring something which is allowing the mind to riff and tell a damn story about us as the doer, the haver, the thinker, the feeler. There's a cost to it. It's like we have stories, but in this case we're had by the story. And people say, oh, I have all the stories. The biggest story is that you are the one who has the story. That's the biggest story of all. It can have tons of stories and slay the ones it doesn't like and, and exalt the ones it does, but it never questions that you're the story. Yeah, The haver of the story is the biggest story of all. That one story, if that was addressed and seen clearly, then you'd wear the other stories loosely. Yeah, They wouldn't have the ability to bind you to this little historical action figure. You'd be apt to be free at any damn moment of any damn day. You'd be flexible enough to respond. Not archaically, not like mentally arthritic, that rigid, conceptual, brittle, dogmatic take, but a flexible, living thing. Yeah? You come out of that yogic posture. We're in that yoga studio tonight. This is the, this is the one asana of self-centeredness. Like this. It only practices one posture. Yeah? So, it's just, it, everything that comes to it, it turns it, it just morphs, it makes it fit this. This message can just stand there because it's nothing. It doesn't know what to do with it. Yeah? It's trying to make it into something, but it can't. And so finally, it may just go like this, and it has to fit itself around that. And that's when you sense the size of what you really are. You feel larger, you feel available, and when you feel available, you sense a presence. Now, you may call it a higher power or a spirit, but I, I, I venture to say that presence is your own presence that you're feeling. Yeah? It's not of another thing. It's what you are, no thing. No thing. So I said last night, there's an old Zen master called Dogen, a Japanese Zen master, 
who summed up the whole study of Buddhism simply by saying, to study Buddhism is to study the self. To study the self is to forget the self. Why do a lot of these people use the word forget when it comes to self? Because it's being remembered. Yeah? They're not saying vanquish it or kill it or exile it. They're saying forget it. Yeah? If it's only a power was brought by remembrance, then forgetting would be the one sword of wisdom you'd need. You wouldn't need any other sword. If there was a forgetting of it, its influences would wane in your life. And of course, some other influences would wax. And you'd know the tree that you're sitting under now by the fruit that's appearing in your life. Yeah? And if your life starts, let's say, we're saying, you know, this isn't going to change the geography of your life, but you're going to travel later over whatever life has in store for you. You may still get fired, you may get divorced, you may have kids, whatever, but you're going to travel lighter over it. And like we were saying yesterday, people waiting for those peak experiences where a big chunk of the mental iceberg breaks off, yeah? But usually if you're in the same Petri dish, that water's going to ice up again. And the iceberg will even get bigger under the surface, yeah? But this is like a skimming every day of the heaviness, yeah? It's like the, one of the greatest heists in the, in the history of the world was when the, these people robbed the banks. All they did was take like one quarter of a cent but they took it out of millions and millions of transactions. They ended up getting away with millions of dollars. But each transaction, if you looked at it, it looked like nothing was going on. Because they took one quarter of a penny, let's say. But they did it trillions of times. It added up. This is what this is like. It just skims off the heaviness. Yeah, You get pared down. It's economical. Very economical. It's so economical, you won't even be left with a solution. <laughs> you won't. The solution's only, only value is when there seems to be a real problem. As soon as it's finished that job, it disappears. Because the real, the real solution is super lightness. Yeah? Almost lightness as if there's no thing at all. Experience itself through a form. You start traveling lighter as if you were no thing at all, but through a form. So whatever isn't necessary gets pared down over time. It's very economical, and the solution goes out the window with the problem. So because if you thought you had a solution, you would think you could lose it. I'm telling you. If you think you've achieved something, you're going to worry about not un- you know, losing it. If you think you did it, you're going to think you can do something to undo it. It has to be taken totally out of your hands for it to remain exactly what it is, which is nothing. Because the selfing will make it something. Once it's made into something, it's unrecognizable. You may think it's the conceptual truth, but it won't actualize on Saturday morning or Wednesday night or Tuesday 2014. It won't be where the rubber meets the road. Then does it have any real value? If it doesn't have the value now, only based on the right circumstances, situations, how valuable is it? So I can do great in the retreat. It's when I leave the retreat. Yeah? When I leave the retreat, in one day, all the effects of the retreat, because their experiences start dimming, yes? And then the same thing that's been influencing and was maybe subdued at the retreat becomes the major influencer of all my experiences. Because and that's a mental state. What we're attempting to go is behind that to the real state, which is a state of being, not a mental state. 
But what happens with the mental state when it takes the form or masquerades as a state of being, then it uses this formula, I'm going to do and have myself into a better state of being. All you're doing and having yourself into is a better state or probably even a worse state, a mental state. Yeah? Because it evaporates in time, in circumstances, situations. But what would happen if you actually, your mind started to reflect beingness? Yeah? If you want to call it awareness, whatever. That, that what, and it's not a that, but let's just say, it's complete in and of itself. It's not in a process of completion. Yeah? It doesn't need a formula of doing and having itself into that being. It already is that being. The only thing it's looking for here is expression, basically. It's manifesting here in multitude so many different levels. Millions and millions of appearances that can be seen and unseen is happening. Tons of energy is going on constantly, yeah? So it's constantly extending and, and manifesting. But it's complete in and of itself. Yeah? A mental condition isn't. A mental condition is always in an act of desiring to become or unbecome. Yeah? You're desiring to become a better mental condition or unbecome a bad one you think you're in. It's, it's like a slinky that never stops. It goes like this. I want to be. I don't want to be a loser, which is a desire to unbecome. I want to be a winner, which you think is a desire to become. All right? This, this, it goes on and on and on down the, the fucking linear stairway of time. Boom, 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 boom. Yeah? A state of being culminated already, yeah? Whole in and of itself, not in any process, not in any pursuit, not in any looking for a crescendo, yeah? Not, in, not a climax, not of time. Because processes are of time. There's no time there. Your, your pursuit of happiness becomes a leisurely walk. Because you've got what you were looking for. You have a sense of ease and comfort during your day. And then just maybe, like it says in recovery, you'll lose interest in, in selfish things and gain interest in others. It won't be anything you practice, it'll just happen. It will just happen that you'll be placed in a position of neutrality with no thought or effort on your part where you'll look at the past as, I don't regret the past, nor do I shut the door on it. Yeah? All this stuff starts happening. You couldn't find that. You, if it was as big as a barn, you wouldn't recognize it. You only know what's happening by finding out. First the download, the sense occurs, and then it manifests or expresses itself, and you go, oh, there's an intimation of the tree by the fruit. That's the way you know it. You can't see the tree, but you know it by the fruit. Like Jesus says, a, tr a good tree cannot bring forth bad fruit, and a bad tree cannot bring forth good fruit. You'll know the tree by the fruit. Yeah. You can't know the tree, because it's not seeable. It's not, you can't touch it, you can't taste it. What's seen can't be seen, what's hearing can't be heard, what's feeling can't be felt, what's tasting can't be tasted, what's smelling can't be smelled. We're not in the, it's not in our jurisdiction to have an experience of it, but it will infuse all our experiences with its, with its influence. Yeah? That's why you have traveling lighter. It's a soft, light touch. Garments are worn loosely. Dreams are worn loosely. Slights are seen to be forgotten quickly. Yeah? Miracles are honored for the demonstration that they were. Resentments are seen to be ridiculous stories of old. Yeah? 
you got better things to do. The idea of wanting to be right and special is dismissed. What happens when you're right and special? You usually end up alone, huh, is it? Yeah, that's a great. That's a great win. I'm right about why you left me. Great, that's really working well for you. How does it feel? Um, fucking right. And the problem is, you may, if you have that drive to be right, you may get to be right by how wrong you are. Ooh, that's not fun. If you have to be right to. By being wrong, you'll be really wrong. <laughs> Everyone will think you're an asshole and you'll be right. <laughs> I'm an asshole. See, I told you so. <laughs> you don't want to give this thing one note. It's like John Coltrane. It can riff like unbelievably. You know, you say, oh, let's, John, riff, riff on the idea of separation. Forget it. It can riff. You can be the source of love and feel unloved. That's what can happen here. It's all seemingly so, and it can seem to be true to you. You can, being the source of all, you can be seen as scarcity and, and uh, severe li- se- severely limited. It can seem to be so. It can't be that so forever, but in, for 80 years it can seem to be so. So selfing can, make, can appear to seem to be so for a period of time. It can't do it infinitely. Yeah? That's why it can never win. But it can seem to be so in time based on you. It doesn't have any quality, as you know, right? Let's say something bothers you yesterday. You're not feeling well, so this is a problem. Yeah. The next day you're feeling pretty good, it's not a problem. The next day you're not feeling good, it's a problem again. What is it? Is it a problem, or isn't it a problem? Or are you giving it the meaning it has? If you can have one experience that you're giving something the meaning it has, let the mind expand on it. That's a principle. That's what's happening here. You and I, the mind, is giving everything all the meaning it has. That's why this is a subjective experience. There's just one event happening here tonight, but there's going to be hundreds of different experiences of this one event. There's only one event happening. There's some older adult talking, and you're watching. Yeah? Or whatever. Maybe you're not listening. (laughs) Who knows? That's your experience. And yet there's all these different subjective experiences. What does that tell you? That right where you are is the meaning giver. This is where meaning is being given from. So if you see that power that's going on, it would be probably wise to see what system of thought is controlling the giving of meaning. If it's self-centeredness, voila, look at what we're reacting to. We're reacting to the the projection of self-centeredness, and we're feeling like we're perceiving it as being real and solid. Yet it's a projection of mind through a frame of self-centeredness. What would happen if you entertain the possibility you're not the center of that system? Then maybe there would be a much bigger frame called centeredness, and now that aspect of mind would be giving meaning to things. And just like we do with the other meaning, you'd be reacting to it, but it may be much more benevolent. Yeah, There'd be maybe a lot more possibilities available. It won't be a possibility of I was okay once and I will be okay, but maybe the possibility you're inherently okay now. Yeah? I've got a plan to meet this truth. Maybe you'd realize you are the truth. The same mind, like they say in Buddhism, the ordinary mind and the enlightened mind are the same mind. They're the exact same mind. It just matters what system is running it, what system is sitting on the throne. And I always like to say this because there's a power of mind that we see demonstrated here, and that's called faith, yeah? 
And everyone in this room has tons of faith. Everybody. Faith manifests here an effect by the vehicle it's put in. If it's put in a failed system of thought and interpretation, like the one we're saddled with, that faith will produce the anxiety of your life. You'll be worried about things that aren't actually happening. How could what's not happening have an effect? How could something that's not happening have an effect here? Something that's not happening, how can it have an effect? Other than that it's a vehicle for the mind to give meaning, add or subtract to. And then have that meaning the mind gave it affect us. So that same faith, if taken out of this failed system, this thought system, and maybe just that, just take it out or just break the bond to the idea of self, and then maybe it'll be placed in a position of neutrality, and now a whole new slew of meanings will be given to the same old, same old things you used to see. And maybe you'll respond differently in your next relationship than you ever had in the past. Maybe slights that you've held on for years will be let go, and you won't be acquiring any new ones. Yeah? Maybe you'll realize, hey, I'm not that concerned so much about the past because it doesn't seem to be happening. And I'm really not that concerned. I'm planning, you know, just in case, but I'm not that concerned about the future because I don't feel it, see it, taste it, or touch it. It's not actually happening. And therefore, this is it. Yeah? Like that Kenny Loggins song. I used to want it to be my theme song. This is it. Make no mistake who you are. This is it. (laughs) So the value will shift to here. And this is where, this is the best place to invest. You get a nice return. Yeah? You have you get to be able to you become conscious of the awareness that's allowing all this to occur, but not in the past or future. There is no God that goes with you in the past or future. That you only go with the God of self there. That's the only one that's the only God in the mental realm of past and future is the God of self. And it's more like the Old Testament God. You know, I'll smote you if you look that way. You know, don't put any other things before me. I'm going to kick your living ass, kill all your firstborn child. And, you know, if you turn back and look at me, I'll smote, you know, you'll turn into salt. And I mean, it doesn't sound like a loving, per- you know, sounds like my head, really. When it's describing, it sounds just like my, my, uh, my main program since I was a kid. You know what I mean? I'm going to get back at you. Even though, you know, it didn't sound like any God to me. <laughs> <laughs> it's a simple invitation. I just want to share this with you. you know, you'll be moved to do whatever you need to do to become more familiar with it. But I'm not a real believer in beating a dead horse. It's an invitation, yes? Like a message. Like if I wanted you to go somewhere or say, hey, there's a nice place to go, I wouldn't have to, I wouldn't, it wouldn't be an eight page thing. I'd say, hey, why don't you go there? I'll meet you there at eight. Yeah? Not like why I'm meeting you, why we should be there. Just go, yeah? This is a message. This is an invitation. It's not a draft. There's no conscription. Do not watch the head try to make a shit out of this. The head's going to make this something, but this is pristinely nothing. The head, the way it's built, cannot embrace it, cannot pick it up, cannot own it, cannot put it up on its spiritual mantle, because it's nothing. Yeah? The only thing the head can do is surrender, yeah, get exhausted, 
and don't do anything, and then that nothing becomes something in your life. It will demonstrate, and it will be the gift that keeps on giving. Seriously. Because there's no quantity in nothing. It doesn't run out. It's always available at all times. And I put it to the test. If this wasn't available, I wouldn't I wouldn't uh, point it out. That would be like spiritual sadism, you know? Just another thing for your mind to use to suffer with. But the fact is that it's available, it can be offered. Yeah? It's available now. That's the offer. This isn't a waylaid plan, not a time delay plan. It's offered now because it's available. If it wasn't, I'd be having you sign up for some fucking program, you know, where you get a monthly DVD of me and realize you don't want to see me, and then I'd say, well, your your sense of presence is based on my absence in your life. And that would be called the retreat from Paul, which I was going to try out to see if people would actually sign up. <laughs> it's not insane of an idea, but I thought they would, you know. Where I would have like, I promised that you know I'd send you DVDs of me and stuff like that, and I'd send you DVDs of ex-girlfriends like singing the glories of my absence in their life. You know? <laughs> I feel this great presence when Paul isn't around, and then I say, listen, I'll give you a newsletter of where I am, and I promise I won't be where you are, and you send me fifty bucks for the two-day event, and then if you like it, we'll make it a month long, and you send me a couple hundred a month in this address in Hawaii. And I and you will be experiencing the presence based on the absence of Paul in your life. Yeah, so it will be called retreat from Paul. I bet you people would sign up. I, don't know. I really did. I bet you would sign up. My friend was just telling me about the White Stripes. You remember that band, the White Stripes? They put on a concert tour where they it was called the One Note Concert Tour. They just came out and played one note and left, and they had sold out engagements. It was not one night. They did a whole tour where they came out, played one note, and they left the thing. And they had standing room only. Can you fucking believe that? I didn't both still don't believe. The guy told me, no, it's true. You can see it. It's White Stripes. That guy, what's his name? Jack White. Jack White. And they went out. One note. It was called the One Note Concert Tour. They came out, one note, and they walked off the stage. And they had like, they filled the stadiums, 30,000 people. You know how insane it is? Supposedly transcendental meditation used to be offered for free. And they got to a point no one was taking it. Then they charged an exorbitant fee. Now everyone's paying through the nose. There was those people who died in, in uh, Arizona or New Mexico going on a, a retreat based from some guy from that book The Secret they paid $60,000 to have a heart attack and a sweat Native American sweat two of them died two elderly people they shouldn't have been in that fucking heat and they died pursuing the truth $60,000 or something to fucking die in a fucking oven you know an Indian sweat oven I have a great story about sweats. I know nothing wrong with sweats. And I like them. And I was brought to a great one when I was young. And I had no idea what it was. It was like a, it was up in Mount Shasta in California 
which is a, a myth, mystical place. They have the most crystals probably in the whole world. Crystal shops. <laughs> there is the ascended masters are supposed to live there in the mountain. You know, Saint Germain and all these people, or non people. Well, they have this this uh, and this lady got in, uh, invited and she asked me along and I had nothing else to do so I drove up there. And when I got there, it was amazing. People came from all around the world to be at this one sweat. And the guys came. One guy, everyone loved this guy. Big white hair and a big Harley Davidson. Oh, it's him. It's Arnie or whatever. And everyone, oh, there was a huge hierarchy. You know, they brought the native Indian. and They built the whole thing. And I'd never been in a sweat. So I got in the first one. Big place. And there were so many people and there was no room. So some people were standing up when the lights were still on. And you know what it is? It's a big pit, and they put these super hot rocks in there that have been sitting in a fire, and then they pour uh, herbs and water, and it's like getting hit with a giant heat tsunami. <laughs> so I was holding up. I, I was like in a subway, and, and, and heat, heat rises, which I had, was unaware of or forgot. <laughs> I was like this, and this, this guy starts throwing the water, and this heat starts hitting me. It burnt my underarms and my inside my nostrils, and I was trying to sit down, but someone was there. So I had to stand up the whole time, and I was like dying, and I was cursing everyone, and I was like, fucking let me stop. Let me out of this thing. But I, I had my spiritual pride. I wasn't going to give up. And then, oh, that guy ran out. You know, he can't take the pure Purification or whatever. I was going to die because uh, I was living for my face instead of my ass. Because I thought my face was my ass. <laughs> my image. So I was going like this. And then next time I run out and you jump in the stream and you get this big rush and I go back in for round two, which is insane. The same thing, but this time I'm down and I'm trying to crunch up. And then I'm going, please don't throw any more water. And then <laughs> more prayers and these waves are just hitting me. Super hot, you know? So now something happens. I survived that weekend. A couple of years later, I entertained this possibility. You know? And then I was working with these people in recovery. And one of my sponsees was, uh, had this group where they were all Americans, you know, English, white guys, trying to you know, live the Native American, whatever, spiritual thing. And they had got this Indian from Oklahoma to come to Petaluma, California. And they built a yurt back there, a thing, and they are going to have a sweat. And he wanted me to support them. So they had all this food and drink outside. And so we went in to this little thing. And the Indian from Oklahoma was there and nine guys. And we're sitting there. And then, the, you know, the thing starts. And I have this experience. This is hot. And I get right out. Just walk right out. Yeah? I mean, it was not, not rocket science. It was just, this is hot. I'm out. It made total sense. I get outside. All the food's there. The drinks. I'm hearing the moaning and praying and everything. I'm sitting there. Beautiful starlit night. Drinking. Everything like that. What happened to me? Before I would have, I thought this, I had this whole belief about purification, I'll do it. Fuck that. You know what I mean? <laughs> Purify my being. Already so. It's already complete in and of itself. You know? I, had, I could see blue is blue. Hey, it's hot. Why should I stay in here? <laughs> you know what I mean? I can recognize this is uncomfortable. <laughs> it was like that, split second. And now, and it was the, the appropriate response. Just like I'm at another meeting the other day, and the guy's, because I go in the water a lot, the ocean, and the guy says, are you afraid of sharks? And I looked down, I said, not now. <laughs> I, ran, you know? I know the qualities of a shark, and I'm not going to get attacked here. Why would I be afraid? 
But, and then the hypothetical, but that's not so. I'm here. I don't know how I'll feel the next time I'm in the water, but I do know I'm not feeling it now. The whole point is, is, is the I don't know. That's where the true security lies. And then you'll find out when it happens. Yeah? The, one of the highest forms of mind in the Zen tradition is I don't know. Don't know. You know, that's what they always do. Don't know. In that I don't know, you give up that mental knowing as your prize and you find out. Much more convincing. Yeah? You find out. You don't find out before you find out. You don't get the privilege to know. You find out. And that I don't know is a beautiful stance. It just works every time. Yeah? Because you, the alertness is there because you don't know. And then you're fully engaged and there's no memory of what happened. Yeah? So it's clean. The selfing can't be produced because you're not remembering the time that it uses to remember you were there. Yeah? So now it's like Etch-a-Sketch. You know, the, the day went like this and then it shakes up and it's erased. And then it happens again and erased. Happens again and erased. And then you see the real role of memory. Yeah? There's an aspect of working mind, but most memory is being used to remember self. Yeah? If you forget it, you'll, you'll sense something. You'll sense... You have the ability to be conscious of... Yeah, and you can also be conscious as in a way the consciousness will show you conscious as awareness really yeah? awareness moving through a human form consciousness, consciousness arises when something else arises you become conscious of, that's the dance but the, the field is of an awareness yeah? so while you're being conscious of here engaged in living, you get a set or intimate what's actually so And then you may be relieved of the bondage yourself. Yeah. And then you find out what it's like to be free. And you really get to know the problem from the solution. A lot of people know the problem from under the problem. But that's not true knowledge of it. The real knowledge is relief from the problem. When you, see, you have relief from the problem, you really know the problem. And what, from the solution, the problem is, can only reach the level of appearance. So it's inherently not real. Therefore... It's not real. There's no need for a real solution. The solution goes to it. And you're just left just as you've always been. Yeah? Nothing added, nothing subtracted. Yeah?
Any questions? Curiosity, and I don't know. Yeah, keeps you aware. There's something I'm, I'm really curious about. Leaving it, at I don't, I don't know. But so there's just a lot of curiosity. It feels so active. Yeah, it's very active. This isn't passive at all. Yeah. No, it's not passive at all. You're called upon to respond to an ability. Well, it's entertaining. It's entertaining. Some, it's not something, but there's an incessantly onness that matches your ability to entertain. Yeah, the mind's constantly entertaining. That's why it gets bored. Yeah, a lot of people go into deep levels of boredom and stuff because they can't find something worthy really to entertain. You know what I mean? They entertain things that the it's not uninteresting it's like it's like a bogus Rubik's Cube the minority fucking problem on the earth I'm never going to be loved yeah so I'm never going to whatever whatever it's bored as hell yeah but this it's meant as match because whenever it's in the posture of entertaining this will be there because it's timeless it's always available at all times yeah the entertainment will give up before the on this one Seriously. It will. For one second. It will. Yeah? So you may meet your match. So if you sense that seeing, and there's the ability to entertain this match with it, it will trump the entertaining <coughs> seeing, because it's always, always there. Yeah? <laughs> so as much incessant honest that you can take, that's what will be available. And it doesn't matter, you know, if you want to back off, far out, you know, watch. Or if you don't, if you want to go for it, far out. There's no one going for it or backing off, you know. Yeah. You ever see that movie Sunshine? Isn't that cool when they, you know, Sunshine? It's about a movie about a fight to the sun. You ever, did you see it? It's cool, eh? When they, they go into the viewing room and they can only take a few percentage of true, clear sunlight. But it's almost like a spiritual experience to have it. You're like sitting there and the light hits them and it's like a fucking big awakening. Yeah. And then they want to stop playing with the percentage. And now they're getting all sunburned and their skin's feeling, but they don't care. Something's happening here. <laughs> the light's just, it's a boom. You know what I mean? It's not even coming. It's zoom. It's like so powerful. And I really dig that. I dig what that's inferring. You know, I dig that movie. It's very inspiring to me. In a way, and then the guy decides he'll stay on the ship, and he just goes up to the viewing room and says, "Fuck it," and turns it up, and lets about thirty percent of the comedy just gets fried. But you can see his face 
It was a damn good Friday. He's like this. You know what I mean? <laughs> I'm sure that one second was an eternity. Yeah. Light realizing light. Because yeah. it isn't just light coming out. What meets the light is light. That you are like the sun also. Yeah. 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 Yep. I, mean, I had a question. Yeah. Um, maybe as an analogy, when, when you listen to something like a song, like music, you know, there's, there's sort of the fluctuation of a human voice singing it. There's also, you can listen to it in two ways, right? As a, as a sort of an oscillation of a human vocal cord, yeah. but also as the meaning of words. You know, yeah. On a conceptual level, you listen to the, the words of the song. Yeah. What is the resolution of those two things? Because it seems like a, a duality, you know? Well, experiences are. But I always put my words on. <laughs> like my friend was pointing out, I'm singing the song, but I'm putting my own little uh, lyrics in. <laughs> but I'm going to say, so you sense the oscillation, which is the back, the underneath theme, and then there's an interpretation called language on top. That's what's happening. Yeah? Yeah, but I feel like you can listen to, you can just hear the oscillation. You can? The beating sort of loses its heaviness, its weight. Yeah, you can do that. If you put more on the bass, if you listen to more of the oscillations, yeah, you'll lose, the meaning will be lessened and you'll probably like the song better. Yeah? Yeah. Yeah. Everything is dualistically expressing here, too. So, you know what I mean? There's a... Mind is split. The first split is the subject-object split, yes? And then that's reflected into a dualistic split. Yeah. So that's why it's hard to see one in the two when there's two is looking for it. Yeah. So we've been split into subject object. So it's very hard for two to squeeze into one. Yeah. So we're always questioning the two-ness of ourselves in the subject object point, and then you'll see the oneness or quote I don't like using one, but I'll use the word oneness in the duality. Yeah. So because you're giving it the meaning. So if this is seemingly broken into two, everything looks like two. Yes, no, high, low, this and that, yes, close and far. But this is that split mind is giving everything the meaning and splitting it, yeah? Called duality. So you would say the dualism is subject-object and the duality is the expression of subject-object. Yet in a while, so there's the duality would be, you're saying the words and the oscillation, yeah? So what would happen is, you see them as two, then there may be a preference of one over the other, and then you see both as the same, in a sense. Yeah? You ever hear the sense statement, first there is the mountain, then there is no mountain, and then there is the mountain. Yeah? So first there is the mountain, everything looks like a thing, and I'm a thing, and separation, and it's real and I'm real. And then there's, let's say, a realization that there is no mountain, there is no me. Yeah? And then a lot of people say, I wish I could stay there, but then there is a mountain again. Yeah? <laughs> so the dualistic construct keeps on going, and yet now you see you see something that you weren't seeing before. You see the oneness and the two-ness. Yeah? Well, like in Buddhism, they say emptiness is form and form is emptiness. Yeah? So emptiness is form, and therefore the form is emptiness. Yeah? You could say all there is is emptiness, but they say it in a nice way. Emptiness is form, and also the form is obviously empty. Because it's emptiness is being formed, appearing to be formed. So, so the two always gets pushed into the sense, is really always just the one. Like in Chinese, uh, 
view. There's the Wu, which is the energy. See, in, in some Buddhist terminology, there's three qualities of mind. Yeah, and I'm using the term mind as the old Zen. You know, like you want awareness, the big M. Yeah. So the mind has the ability. Its 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 essence is emptiness. Yeah. Its nature is to reflect. That's what's happening here. And then its manifestation is just energy. So all that's happening here is oscillations of energy. Yeah? Appearing, coagulating, and the mind that's dreaming, seeing it as something that it's not. So all its energy that appears to take a form, but that's all it can do is appear to take the form. It's energy. Yeah? And energy can't be created or destroyed, so that's an aspect of mind. Yeah? can't be created or nor destroyed. So it's the manifestation of mind. And then the mind that's manifesting it can also reflect it. Yeah? And if it's reflecting it from its nature of emptiness, it sees the one in the two. If, if it's reflecting it ignorant of the emptiness, it sees two. Yeah? It sees two. And that's how we're conditioned or programmed. So the woo, and then there's, all right, it takes two aspects called the yin and yang energy that plays with each other and their idea of the whole world was called 10,000 things and then it says then the 10,000 things appear so the woo the energy mind let's say before it manifests then it's manifesting and that's energy that's the yin and yang a little dance to create tension and conflict yeah to produce agitation for something to appear in and then the 10,000 things appear but if you take it from the 10,000 things you go to that dance and then there's the oneness yeah so everything like Ramana Maharshi says he used the term self to represent all there is the big S so he says it's like if you follow through self-inquiry if you follow the mind it inevitably goes back to its own source which is that yeah Rush and I go back in for round two which is insane the same thing but this time I'm down and I'm trying to crunch up and then I'm going, please don't throw any more water. And then <laughs> more prayers, and this waves are just hitting me. Super hot, you know? So now something happens. I survived that weekend. A couple of years later, I entertained this possibility. You know? And then I was working with these people in recovery, and one of my sponsees was, uh, had this group where they were all Americans, you know, English, white guys, trying to, you know, live the Native American whatever, spiritual thing, and they had got this Indian from Oklahoma to come to Petaluma, California, and they built a yurt back there, a a thing, and they were going to have a sweat, and he wanted me to support him. So they had all this food and drink outside, and so we went in to this little thing, and the Indian from Oklahoma was there, and nine guys, and we're sitting there, and then, you know, the thing starts, and I have this experience, this is hot, and I get right out. Just walk right out. Yeah? I mean, it was not, not rocket science. It was just, this is hot. I'm out. It made total sense. I get outside, all the food's there, the drinks. I'm hearing them moaning and praying and everything. I'm sitting there, beautiful starlit night, drinking, everything like that. What happened to me? Before I would have, I thought this, I had this whole belief about purification. I'll do it. Fuck that. You know what I mean? <laughs> Purify my being. Already so. It's already complete in and of itself. You know? 
I had I could see blue is blue. Hey, it's hot. Why should I stay in here? <laughs> you know what I mean? I can recognize this is uncomfortable. <laughs> it was like that split second and now and it was the, the appropriate response. Just like I'm at another meeting the other day and the guys because I go in the water a lot, the ocean, and the guy says, "Are you afraid of sharks?" And I look down. I said, "Not now." And I, land, you know? I know the qualities of a shark, and I'm not going to get attacked here. Why would I be afraid? But, and then the hypothetical, but that's not so. I'm here. I don't know how I'll feel the next time I'm in the water, but I do know I'm not feeling it now. The whole point is, is, is the I don't know. That's where the true security lies. And then you'll find out when it happens. Yeah? The, one of the highest forms of mind in the Zen tradition is, I don't know. Don't know. Yeah, that's what they always do. Don't know. In that I don't know, you give up that mental knowing as your prize, and you find out. Much more convincing. Yeah? You find out. You don't find out before you find out. You don't get the privilege to know. You find out. And that I don't know is a beautiful stance. It just works every time. Yeah? Because you, the alertness is there because you don't know. And then you're fully engaged and there's no memory of what happened. Yeah? So it's clean. The selfing can't be produced because you're not remembering the time that it uses to remember you were there. Yeah? So now it's like Etch-a-Sketch. You know, the, the day went like this and then it shakes up and it's erased. And then it happens again and erased. Happens again and erased. And then you see the real role of memory. Yeah? There's an aspect of working mind, but most of memory is being used to remember self. Yeah? If you forget it, you'll, you'll sense something. You'll sense you have the ability to be conscious of, yeah? And you can also be conscious as, in a way. The consciousness will show you conscious as awareness, really. Yeah? Awareness moving through a human form, consciousness. Consciousness arises when something else arises. You become conscious of. That's the dance. But the, the field is of an awareness, yeah? So while you're being conscious of here, engaged in living, you get a set or intimate what's actually so. Yeah. And then you may be relieved of the bondage of self. Yeah. And then you find out what it's like to be free, and you really get to know the problem from the solution. A lot of people know the problem from under the problem. But that's not true knowledge of it. The real knowledge is relief from the problem. When you, see, you have relief from the problem, you really know the problem. And what, from the solution, the problem is, can only reach the level of 